your host, Peter. And I'm your co-host, Phoenix. And today we are reviewing Robocop, the 1987 movie directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, it's about a guy who turns into, or is made into a cyborg. It's a sci-fi action movie. It is also rated R for strong graphic violence, for language, drug use, and nudity. Let's get into it. The movie starts off with a little exposition, uh, kind of sets the tone. It gives you uh, a little insight of what's going on around the world from their perspective uh, or in this uh, fictional world of theirs. Uh, they, they do place it in Detroit, uh, but it is a uh, kind of in the near future. There's also a commercial with a doctor kind of, uh, he's selling like prosthetic hearts and they're... You know, it's even mentioned that it's made by Yamaha and, you know, a couple other uh, brands. And it kind of tells us that, you know, it, it's, you know, manufactured by uh, companies basically that are known to, uh, you know, produce produce kind of machine parts or computer parts known for their electronics. Your thoughts on this? Um, I can probably already tell that uh, these are... Uh big company that likes to make uh, technology and all sorts of things to sell all over the world. Yeah, because this is where we also get the uh, introduction of the Omni Consumer Products, which we also know as OCP. Uh, we also get the introduction of Dick Jones and the crime boss of old Detroit, Clarence Boddicker. Uh, after the news, uh, we go to the precinct. We also get the introduction of Sergeant Reed, who is, uh, I believe, in charge of this particular police precinct. Uh, now, he is called a sergeant, and I don't know exactly how the police rank structure works, but in the military, a sergeant is, uh, you know, is an enlisted personnel. There's enlisted, and then there's officers. Usually officers are higher ranking. Um, now, Sergeant Reed... I I think if he was actually in charge, he should be uh, something of a higher rank, like a captain. Uh, I, uh, again, I don't know how the, the you know the, the police structure works, but uh, we get Sergeant Reed, we get Murphy walking in the door, and we find out that he uh, has transferred to this precinct. So he is, you know, he's not a rookie cop, um, but he is. Uh, you know, they don't say if he's a you know a veteran or anything like that, but he is being transferred over. And you also uh, see him interact with some of the, some of the other cops, and um, they're, they're kind of talking about what's going on right now. And one of the guys he kind of mentions uh, uh, you know mentions striking. Uh, but right before we uh, right before this, we actually get our first scene of nudity. Uh, this movie it is rated R. It's a very strong R. It was uh, shortened down to appease the MPAA to get an R rating. So the version we actually watched was unrated. Uh, I don't believe there were any more nudity than what was in the rated R version, but it was definitely a lot more graphic uh, in terms of violence. But we get our first nudity scene, and it's pretty brief. It, it, it's really like no more than a you know a second, second and a half. It, it's really uh, you know in passing. There's a female cop. She's in the uh, in the locker room with everybody else. You know, it's 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 not segregated by gender. And she's, you know, just 
putting on some some type of armor. You know, she's putting on her uniform probably after taking a shower. So it's really brief. Uh, that you know, it's part of the R rating there. Um, did you have any thoughts about the uh, no? You know, not segregating by by gender. Um, no, not really. You can also tell by the way you see how they act on each other that it's been around for a while. Right. It, it might have been implemented uh, a lot, you know, a lot earlier than, than what the time frame actually is right now. So it's nothing new to them. Obviously, they're, you know, uh, comfortable around each other. But again, it's a really brief scene, so no need to really get into details about that. Uh, but we also, um, so again, one of the cops kind of brings up uh, that that they should strike um, for for what's going on right now. They're losing a lot of cops out in the street. You know, people are dying in the line of duty, and they uh, want the working conditions to be you know safer and better for them. But as uh, as one of the officers mentions the word strike. Sergeant Reed comes in, obviously, kind of, you know, kind of shut everybody up. But uh, apparently, there, one of the officers had recently died, probably in the line of duty. So he came into the locker room to clear out, you know, said officer's locker. So he he doesn't quite introduce Murphy here, but uh, from this scene, we go back into the uh, the main lobby of the precinct. And we see, uh, you know, two cops uh, beaten up or, you know, fighting with a, uh, a bad guy, I guess you can call him. Um, but we, this is where we meet Officer Lewis. But in this particular instance, she's wearing her helmet. So I'm thinking that when people first watched this, you know, they didn't quite know that she was a she. Uh, so Murphy might have been under that impression too. Sergeant Reed's basically like, you know, here, here's your partner. So he's kind of standing off to the side watching this go down, you know, Officer Lewis and another officer trying to contain this guy. And, you know, there's a point where she does like some kind of kick uh, to him too. So we get to kind of see that, you know, she's, I don't want to say she's a badass, but she's definitely got some some toughness about her, right? So... So Lewis comes over and she meets Murphy. Uh, the the uh, Sergeant Reed he introduces the two. Uh, basically tells Lewis to take him out into town. You know, kind of break him in a little bit. Did you have any thoughts on the uh, introduction of Officer Lewis? I like the introduction of Officer Lewis um, mostly because it showed that she had a certain toughness to her and that she couldn't be really scared of any, as you said before, bad guys that would approach her. Okay. In the next scene, we're at OCP headquarters. We get the introduction of Bob Morton, uh, Johnson. There's a guy named Kenny. We also get the introduction of the uh, president of OCP. And Bob Morton is, uh, there, there's a line drop that he is the head of uh, security concepts, um, which we'll get into a little bit later here. They, uh, the three guys here, they are attending a meeting um, the, the president of the OCP, obviously, he's there. Dick Jones is there to give a presentation on the ED-209, which they also call the ED-209. It's part of a uh, military contract that he's trying to get. Um, this ED-209, he's trying to sell this to the military. He's trying to work on a contract here. So during his presentation, he asks for a volunteer, which uh, he actually uh, volunteers uh, Mr. Kenny. He asks, you know, 
Mr. Kenny to stand up, he hands him a gun and then asks him to hold it in a threatening manner. Well, Mr. Kenny aims it at Dick Jones, but he says that, you know, you got to aim it at uh, Ed 209. So he turns the gun over. Ed 209 kind of, he, 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 what I'm for. No, there's a word, um, activate. So Ed 209 basically activates and sees that Mr. Kenny is holding a gun towards him. And so he tells Mr. Kenny to put down the gun and he has 20 seconds to comply. And at this point, uh, Mr. Kenny go ahead, um, he goes ahead and puts the gun down, but Ed 209 repeats that line again, you know, I'll give you 20 seconds to comply. So the, the, the people that are working the controls, they're kind of panicking and they're, they're trying to get the, uh, they're trying to work the boards and, and shut off Ed 209. And because the, uh, Ed 209 isn't shutting down, everyone else in the room is panicking. And Mr. Kenny's kind of like, he's getting up, he's trying to run and hide behind people. And at the end of the countdown, he, Ed 209, basically just starts firing, and he just, do, 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 you know, just, just, just keeps shooting at Mr. Kenny, and at this point, it's just graphic squibs are going off, and uh, uh, Kenny's just getting shot up, and then he falls on this uh, miniature model behind him of uh, basically the Delta City, which, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of bring up again later. Uh, what do you think about this scene here? That was really graphic, uh, you know, really unexpected... You know, very graphic. It kind of reminded me of maybe your movie, but not exactly. It definitely showed that it had a lot of potential to be way over a rated R movie. Right. The, uh, and again, this version that we watched, it was the unrated version. So the, the shooting up Mr. Kenny was definitely extended. I do remember that it was uh, a little bit shorter uh, not by much really but the way they linger on him being shot and laying on top of that model uh i, I think that's what made this unrated just because it was so graphic uh, uh the nature of it really and so dick jones goes over to the president and you know he's trying to calm him down the president's obviously upset with the uh, ed 209 malfunctioning and he's telling him hey you know give me some time this is just a glitch and uh, the president's not having it, you know. He, he's pretty upset uh, that they're, you know, being set back. I think, um, what was it, fifty million? Or he, he dropped some large amount. Uh, how much this is going to kind of set them back? Well, Bob Morton, he cuts in and says, "Hey, I actually have a plan for contingencies like this. You know, for 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 uh, when things do go bad. You know, we, um, you know, th- th- he works for Security Concepts, and they have a program of Robocop." And uh, the president, he asks them, you know, well, how long this is going to take? And Bob Morton says 90 days. So from then on, uh, you know, Bob Morton, you know, he's talking to Johnson. They're going down the elevator. And basically he's just saying that all they're waiting for is, uh, you know, for for a volunteer. Uh, At this point, it cuts to uh, Lewis and Murphy. They're at a coffee shop. Lewis is walking out of the coffee shop and... um, Murphy, he's working on this this little gun spinning move. She compliments him and says that that's a pretty neat move, or you know that she liked it or whatever. And he says that it's a, a TV show that his son watches, and basically he is trying to learn the move to appease his son. Uh, did you have any thoughts about this scene? It showed that he was a family man to his kid, and that he really cared about him, and that he'd be you know learning a move that his son would like. Yeah, and. Right after this, uh, on the radio, they hear that there, there's basically uh, a 211 in progress, uh, which is like a, uh, a robbery, I believe it is. 
And so we we cut to the van where we see Boddicker and his, uh, you know, some of his croonies. Well, I don't think we get them all, but uh, we, we, we see Emil, we see uh, Joe, we see uh, Leon, and a guy named Bobby. Apparently he was the explosive specialist of some sort because Boddicker is giving him a hard time for, for burning some of the money uh, when, you know, whatever he, um, I don't know if it's, whatever he blew up, it burnt a lot of the money. So basically it was useless to him. So he's pretty upset. Uh, shortly after, Emil spots, you know, a police car coming up and, you know, it's, it's uh, Lewis and Murphy. So Clarence, he, you know, he gets all the guys and they kind of get ready to shoot up the cops. So they all stand up and, you know, aiming uh, towards the door. And so they kick the door open and they just start firing, but there's no car there. So Clarence is like, hey, where'd they go? And then Emil looks uh, to the side mirror, notices that they're on the side of the car. So Lois had pulled over to the side and, I, you know, I, I guess it's to catch them by surprise, maybe to have them run out a little bit of ammo. Uh, so so Lois kind of pulls behind them and then Murphy starts shooting, and he gets Bobby right in the leg. So Clarence has to, you know, has his guys pick up Bobby and, and throws him onto the car. And, you know, that kind of slows Lewis down a little bit. And then and then we arrive at the uh, some abandoned warehouse. Uh, it's not really clear if it's even abandoned. I don't know if it's, you know, functioning. But, but we never see anybody else there. Apparently, these guys have been hanging out there because they have a TV uh, so when Murphy and Lewis actually pull up, they get there a little bit after those guys have gotten there, right? So they call for backup over the radio, and the dispatcher says that the uh, backup won't be there for like another 10 minutes. You know, Murphy kind of leaves it up to Lewis whether or not that they go in. So they decide to go in, and they kind of split up separately. So we see Emil, he's sitting down with this other guy who we see only in this scene, we'll get there but this guy ends up dying pretty soon anyway so kind of useless really but this is where we see the uh the, the you know this tv show with uh this old man and we get the famous line i'd buy that for a dollar you know and so it's just this dirty old man and a bunch of younger women in bikinis and stuff like that so it's kind of pretty iconic did you have any thoughts on this this, I thought it was kind of goofy and yeah. uh, definitely uh, something that would come up later in the future more than a few times, actually, but, you know, just wacky. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting that they introduced uh, this this uh, fictional character on TV just to, you know, save the line, I'd buy that for a dollar. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting and things pretty cool. And then we get Lewis. She finds Joe, who's uh, urinating off somewhere part of the uh, warehouse. I mean, I don't know if they have restrooms or anything, but he kind of, he's off alone, urinating somewhere, and she stops him, you know, holds her gun up, and uh, basically says, you know, turn around with your hands up, and, uh, you know, Joe, he says, well, you know, can I, uh, can I at least zip it up, and, she, you know, she kind of hesitates, and she's looking at him, then she just quickly glances down, and he sucker punches her right off the ledge, and she falls down, I don't know how tall the, the, the fall was, but it was from one story to the next. We go back to Emil. Murphy has, uh, you know, he, he comes from behind and he holds his gun up and tells him to freeze. And then at this point, uh, we get another famous line, you know, dead or alive, you're coming with me. And then the other guys, they start showing up. And basically at this point, 
they have him surrounded, you know, from, from all different points. We see Steve, which is an Asian guy. I, I don't think we saw him in the van earlier. I kind of forget. But uh, so we see Steve. He's another uh, guy that works for Clarence. So then Emil, he takes a, he takes a gun and, and, and you know, he, he's like, his ass is mine or whatever the line says. But then Boddicker shows up, kind of interrupts, is like, no, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he kind of uh, takes the gun from Emil uh, he takes off uh, Murphy's helmet, puts it on top of Emil, which I thought was kind of a nice touch. I don't know if that was in the script, but uh, I liked that. And then, so Bodiger has this gun, and he's you know he's aiming it at Murphy, and they kind of have some exchanges and stuff. One of the things that uh, Clarence says is that you know cops don't like him, and he doesn't like cops. And then he kind of asks Murphy, "What's he think about him?" And Murphy says a line that I like. It's not so iconic. But it's a line that always stood out for me, and he just replies, buddy, I think you're slime. And everyone starts laughing. And, you know, um, I forgot to mention it earlier, but but Joe, he's got a very distinctive laugh. It's pretty high-pitched. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of a weird guy. What do you think of Joe? Um, I think it's kind of short for something like Joker from Batman. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Okay. Uh, or it could just really be his name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, just, just a reminder. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it could be, I'm not saying it's not, but, uh, I, I mean, in the credits is J O E. So, uh, that's, that's why I think it is maybe it's short for Joseph, you know, but it, I guess it could be Joker, you know, yeah. I'll uh, entertain that thought. Um, do you have any thoughts of the other guys? Right. So we have already seen Emil, you know, he, he, he drove the van. We got Clarence, the bad guy. Uh, you know, Steve's the Asian guy. Leon is this uh, other guy. I know him from a show called Twin Peaks. Uh, it's from the late 80s. Um, uh, Clarence Boddicker, he played the father on that 70s show, right? And then, who are some of the other bad guys? Joe, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. I don't know if any of these guys look familiar to you. Um, no, I just think they're uh, kind of good in this show, but, uh, or movie, sorry. But I know Joe played in the movie The Ugly Truth. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I know what it is. It's what with uh, the Catherine and, and uh, Catherine Heigl, right? Heigl. Yeah, something like and, that. Uh, and Gerald Ger- Butler. Yeah, yeah. Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. So I, I know of the movie, but uh, okay, I might have to go back and see how he looks now. They're they're kind of you know going back and forth, kind of talking trash, and then the, you know Clarence does the. Uh, the whole, you know, nee, 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 and, you know, he's just kind of aiming the gun all uh, over at Murphy, and the guys are, you know, they're having a kick out of this, you know, they're, they're poking him with their gun and stuff like that, and and then we get our first, uh, you know, shot, uh, shot to the hand, right, so Clarence mm-hmm. shoots Murphy's hand, uh, it's pretty graphic, this, this scene right here, you could tell it's fake, it, it doesn't look that real, but just that amount of blood, and this is another scene that, was kind of edited and shortened down to make it a rated R, right? So, um, and I keep saying to make it rated R is because it was originally like rated X, you know, just because of the graphic, um, you know, the graphic scenes here. So, so there was a couple of different things that they did differently in here. Uh, it's kind of hard. I can point it out, you know, but it's kind of hard to say, you know, with words, you know, it's, it, it's hard for me to explain it with words. You just kind of got to watch it. Uh, There might be even a a YouTube clip that has the comparisons. But in this unrated version, it's... um, 
there are certain things that I, I can tell what they did differently. So, um, but this scene in particular is probably where they uh, did the most editing. Um, what did you think about this uh, the scene here? I thought it was a little sad for him to go like that because the way they executed them, it was yeah. like they were a firing squad. They were, uh, and they were just letting off rounds too. They just kept on firing, and firing, and even Joe makes the you know he says the line, "Damn, I'm out of ammo." Right, so um, they're definitely just letting this guy have it, right? And then Boddicker, um he finishes it off by you know a bullet to the brain, and and it's pretty graphic, you know that that you see this big old piece of his head missing. Now, unfortunately, Lewis she happens to pop up like in the middle of him being shot, and you know couldn't do a thing about it. You know she doesn't have her gun, and she just kind of um, you know stands there and witnesses her her uh, partner being brutally murdered. And then right after this, we we see that uh, Murphy was flown in um, probably to the ICU, but he's flown into the hospital where. There is a crew that are making every attempt to see if they can do anything to revitalize him. They're doing everything they can just to make sure that he is completely dead, but they do call it at the end and, you know, says that he's flatlined. And at this point, they start uh, they start the RoboCop project, right? So this entire scene, we kind of see it from his point of view. Uh, he is dead, but, uh, you know, we just kind of see, see it from where he's laying, um, Bob Morton is there, uh, pretty much throughout the process, right? And so we see, uh, the, the, we see the, the titanium arm, right? Which they say that it's made of Kevlar and titanium. So we get to see that, the, um, Bob Morton, he even says, lose that other arm, right? So, so RoboCop's going to be completely robotic, okay? There's going to be no... Uh, no human at all. They, they they do keep the face, which you know you kind of see the you know the mouth area. Uh, anyway, did you have any thoughts about this? What I thought was um, when Bob Morton wants everything to be completely robotic. In the beginning, they said that they wanted someone who knows what to do or something like that. But if they're making him completely robotic without any human whatsoever, then what's the point of making a RoboCop if you're just going to have pretty much a robot? Well, I think you might be kind of uh, mixing, mixing it in with um, the, the remake, you know, where they actually want him to be able to uh, have human feelings and stuff like that. It's not quite discussed here. However, uh, we'll, we'll get there. But So basically at this point, they're they're building... Robocop. The process he's going through, it kind of shows, you know, the time frame, right? That there's even a point that they're celebrating New Year's. Uh, and one of the doctors, she kind of she kind of gives him a kiss and smears like lipstick all over his, you know, I don't know, over where his eyes are or whatever it is. When I was younger, obviously, you know, uh, I didn't know about lipstick or anything like that. But when I watched it, you know, she smeared her lipstick over his face. I thought he was blushing. And then there was another uh, line that was dropped. They, they said that they were going to erase the memory. Um, and then at the final scene, they, you know, Bob Morton's kind of making this little speech, and then he kind of like pulls the the tarp, which is clear to us. I don't know if it's actually clear, but they they, they uh, pull that off, and you know, everyone's applauding. You know, how, probably how magnificent he looks, and you know, a lot of work went into this, obviously. And so he's walking through this. Uh, 
you know, group of people and they're, they're just plotting and, you know, um, he, you don't see him right away, but you, you know, kind of see bits and pieces of him and the insecurity concepts is based out over at the police precinct. So he's walking through the lobby and, um, you know, basically everybody just kind of stops and, you know, because they hear this, the, the, the sound of him walking, right? It's, it, it sounds really heavy, right? It's like, doof, doof. You know, when he's walking, everyone just kind of stops and looks over, and they try to follow to see what's going on. So uh, they take Robocop over to basically where they keep him, um, where they uh, keep an eye on him. They have him hooked up to certain things and uh, what have you. But at this point, this is where they kind of run tests on him, right? They have him turn on the grid. They they, they, They test his recording. And then we also, at this point, get his. We, we learned that he operates off of three prime directives. And after this, he kind of uh, goes out to to go make arrests. We get uh, we get a scene here at the liquor store where there's an old man and woman kind of working. The old man's watching that TV show where we we get the guy again repeating that line. I'd buy that for a dollar. And we get this uh, this guy. He walks in and he, you know he kind of throws a couple items over on the counter. And the lady, she asks if there's anything else that she can help him with, and he says, "Yeah, you know, give me all your money and and everything in the safe." The old man tries to play it off like there's nothing in the safe, and is hidden behind all these beer cans. And the the guy he kicks it, and you know he's he's obviously talking to him in a very threatening manner. He's got a gun, and when he wasn't looking, the old lady she kind of pushes this button, probably alerting the police. So this is how you know Robocop knows that there's a crime in progress. So he walks in, and this guy, you know, obviously he's never seen anything like it before, so he's just like, F me, you know, he just starts shooting, um, you know, the uh, his gun, and rounds are just bouncing off of Robocop, right? So we obviously see how strong his armor is, that whatever gun that this guy was using, it wasn't piercing through the armor. Uh, not to say that he's completely bulletproof, but uh, obviously to a certain extent, he kind of is. Uh, what did you, did you have any thoughts on this scene? Superman without most invulnerability. Okay. Uh, and then... You know, Robocop saves the day. It throws a guy into the uh, in, in, into the fridge. Um, you know, tells him to have a nice day. Uh, the, the next arrests. Well, well, the next scene anyway. We we get two hoodlums here chasing a uh, chasing a, a lady through you know a dark alley of some sort, or just down the street. Uh, one of one of the guys has a knife. You know, and they they uh, they, they, they trap this woman and they start uh, harassing her. You know, and they. they cut a little bit of her hair and um they 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 try to go further with this and you know fortunate enough robocop you know he, he's there just in time uh i don't know if this could be happenstance i don't think she had a little button that she could have pushed to alert the police but you know maybe he was driving by but uh you know hey he was there to save the day he was able to stop this uh the, the, you know this uh attempted rape uh really um the, what, what did you did you have any thoughts on this? Mm, not much thoughts. I just know it has a pretty funny quote that I really enjoy. Robocop says, your move, creep. Was it in this scene? Yep. Okay. Yeah, so that, uh, funny enough, that line, minus the creep part, I think is the uh, tagline in the remakes poster. So, you know, 
this attempted rape, obviously, it's, it's you know, it's pretty dark uh, that, that they even used it. But, uh, you know, he kind of lightened the mood after he did save the day, uh, saying that he was going to notify a, a rape crisis center. Um, but the way the way he saves her is um, the, the guy with the knife, he was holding her at knife point and... Robocop, he starts, you know, he, he, he sets, he locks on target and was able to shoot through her dress into his area there and, uh, you know, damages his uh, manhood. So that's how he stops that guy and the other guy. I don't remember what happened with the other guy. I think he was just a little scared and ran away or something like that, maybe. That was probably it. But uh, that was the end of that scene. And then we get to the third arrest that he makes. He goes to, I don't know if this was like City Hall, but, you know, uh, there's a bunch of, like, uh, people that works for the Congress or, you know, some kind of city officials. Because they even say that the mayor's there, right? Outside, you got the SWAT team, you know, trying to negotiate with this guy. Robocop shows up and is like, hey, stall him, you know. So he, he proceeds inside while this uh, this guy outside with the mic is trying to basically try to calm down this guy who's got everyone hostage at gunpoint, um, and they're trying to, I don't know, that the SWAT guy's trying to, like, um... Bargain. Yeah, trying to bargain him with the, the so, some car that they call the uh, 6000 uh, SUX, which I think is funny, because, you know, you read SUX as sucks, and... So Robocop is walking through the hallway, and he uses his thermal vision. So that's the way he was able to see what was in the other room. So he sees a bunch of people on their knees with their hands on their head. Obviously, those are the, the hostages. So he goes over to the wall and was able to punch through and pull this guy in through the wall. And then he punches him out the window. And then we get a little... You know, little news segment here, you know, introducing Robocop to the world. And it shows him, you know, visiting schools and trying to familiarize the kids with him. And uh, he has a line for the kids, too. Did you want to say it? Stay out of trouble. Yeah, well, it's a good line. It's also uh, uh, pretty good advice, in my opinion. And then we go back to OCP, and it appears Bob Morton had been promoted to vice president. Because what does he get? He gets an executive gold card that allows him access into some restricted areas, I believe. Yeah, you know, and uh, this includes a uh, pretty nice bathroom. So you go, uh, so so he's talking to this guy, and they go inside straight to the urinal, and they're kind of talking about how, uh, well, this this guy he's kind of warning. Uh, Bob Morton uh, about Dick Jones that he you know he's heard that uh, Dick Jones is out to get him, and so they start talking about dick and so they're at the stall well a third guy that was next to them kind of like he 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 heard the name right and so he starts to kind of panic runs over to the other side where i don't know guys are like drying their hands or washing their hands and you know you, you see him kind of whisper to them and they they look over in a in, in, uh panicked and then they kind of just bust out the bathroom well bob and the other guy kind of look at each other like uh-oh and then they hear the toilet flush, right? So you're like, crap. So, you know, Dick Jones was in the toilet uh, this whole time listening to them talk. So the guy that's with Bob, you know, he's obviously uh, kind of scared and he zips up. And, uh, and you, you see that he kind of like um, didn't even finish up because he, you know, kind of leaked on himself. So he runs out. 
Dick Jones comes out and they start talking. You know, Dick Jones is like, you know, hey, I was like you once. I was a young executive. We were calling the uh, the old guy names. I called him an a hole. Uh, so basically, at this point, Dick Jones is kind of basically threatening him. He's like, you know, you insulted the company. You in, you insulted uh, you, you know me. You know, with this bastard creation of yours. Uh, blah blah blah. So it just really builds the tension between these two. Um, that Dick Jones is obviously ticked off that uh, Bob Bourne kind of uh, went over his head, you know, stepped over his toes. Uh, did you have any other thoughts about this uh, bathroom scene? It obviously showed that Dick Jones didn't uh, like Bob Morton at all because of the Ed 209 presentation. Yeah, that could be. And that's where he says that, you know, you, you, know, you crossed the line, you went over my head, you know, it, it is because... You know, Dick Jones was obviously not worried about the glitch. Anybody would say that about their own, you know, project. But uh, Bob Moran steps in and, and and takes this big contract away from him, basically, right? So 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 now OCP is going to kind of back Bob Moran on this. Uh, so the next scene, we go back to the headquarters of uh, you know at the police precinct, and Robocop is uh, sitting there on his uh, nice chair, and you know, plugged into all types of machines. And then on the monitor, you kind of see you know a bunch of static, you know, kind of going in and out, and you can kind of make out uh, a few images. Obviously, you see Clarence Boddicker on the screen. So it's going in and out, so we're led to believe that he is dreaming, right? There, there's a couple of graphs going off, you know, um, probably resembling human emotions, I, I, I'd imagine. But the two people that are there, they don't really see the images on the screen. Um, but they do, you know, they, they notice that Robocop is, is, you know, moving in weird manner. You know, he's trying to fight these visions, I suppose. So he gets up and he leaves, you know, obviously on a mission of his own. They were unable to stop him. So they go call the guy that uh, I'd imagine is right under Bob Morton. Uh, his name is, uh, Ro was it Roosevelt? Yeah, Roosevelt. Roosevelt, which uh, one of the ladies, she called him Rosie. So they start running after him. Uh, I don't know how far he got, but far enough that in passing, Robocop passes by uh, Officer Lewis, who looks like she's got a new partner, and they were uh, taking a criminal down to probably booking or whatever. But she tells him, hey, continue without me, too. So she turns around and runs after Robocop, stops him, and she is trying to introduce herself, right? So she's like, you know, I'm Officer Lewis. What's your name? And he doesn't answer, but he replies with, you know, Officer Lewis, what can I help you with? Uh, and, you know, she's saying, you know, that's not what I'm asking you. You know, don't you have a name? And then you hear the uh, people running, you know, down the hall trying to catch up with them. And then she leans over and she tells him, uh, Murphy, it's you. You know, so she gives him the name and he kind of pauses. And then he says that he's got somewhere to be. So he leaves. So Rosie stops her and he's like, you know, what did you say to him? She's like, nothing. I just asked him his name. Uh, apparently she gets into trouble for this, which I thought was a little, I don't know. I don't understand why she got in trouble, because, just because she interacted with him and asked for his name. I know later on she is with, uh, Bob Morton's called in, and he's kind of looking at all these results that, that came out of the machines, and, and you know, Rosie and, and, and this other woman, they're basically saying that we should shut down for X amount of days, you know, try, try to... Um, get him back to operating properly and you know bob's just like you kidding me over a dream you know and then he talks to lewis and sergeant reed's there and he's like you know you 
you know, you don't get in the way of OCP. You, you had no right. You have no business in this. You know, I'll have your job, you know, just saying all these things. And uh, basically, he he tells her, you know, there's no point in asking his name. He doesn't have a name. He's, you know, he's a, he's a program. He's a software. He's a robot. And... So that's all we get out of that, and obviously we see that Sergeant Reed, he, he's not mad at Lewis at all. Do you have any thoughts on this? It showed to me that Bob Morton was more afraid by RoboCop failing or anything like that because of the little contest of argument they he had with Dick Jones. Yeah, I mean, he could be a little, you know, shaken by that, you know, irritated, what whatever, but... It, it's just I, I didn't quite understand why he was so concerned that another fellow officer even tried to talk to him because obviously he's going to be out in public, you know, interacting with other people too. So other questions may arise um, from news reporters, all types of people. So it, this scene, not that it wasn't needed. I just, you know, I, I didn't think Bob Morton should have been as upset as him. But, but but I get what you're saying. You know, he, he's probably just riled up from the whole Dick Jones thing. This next scene, we see Emil pull up at a gas station, and he's trying to get his uh, motorcycle uh, filled up. There's a guy on the inside there, uh, you know, studying, you know, uh, geometry, I think it was, playing geometry. And Emil goes up to him. He's like, hey, you know, give me all the money in your register and fill up, the, you know, the gas. So Emil goes over to, the, uh, to, to, to his bike, and he starts pumping gas. And it was kind of subtle. I, I don't know if this really happened, but the gas attendant, he had his hands up inside in, inside his, um, you know, little box there, and it looked like he might have pushed something really briefly. Again, it was really subtle, so maybe it was just, you know, maybe I thought something happened, but because RoboCop does show up here. Emil doesn't even see the car or hear it until he gets out, and uh, RoboCop, that is, he gets out of the car and shuts the door. That's when Emil notices him, but at this point, he was kind of like, you know, kicking the uh, the, the outside of the gas attendant's, um, you know, office. So, you know, yeah, he probably didn't, didn't hear the car pulling up, but RoboCop says, dead or alive, you're coming with me. So Emil hesitates for a moment, and he's like, you know, I've heard that line before. He processes it. He's like, no, we killed you. And RoboCop's recording at this time, so... I'm not sure why he wasn't doing anything to respond, I guess, um, because it's, it's not like in recording mode, he, you know, he's idle, right? So, but obviously the whole, you know, we killed you, you know, it's got him thinking just kind of like when, uh, when Lewis was saying, you know, Murphy, it's you, it kind of caught him off guard. So these little things is starting to kind of like make sense to him. So Emil tries to, um, he, he basically, the the gas hose it it starts leaking right uh, I forgot who shot it it was probably I think Robocop I, I, no I, I think it was Emil Emil probably yeah well the 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 hose rips right so so gasoline is just splashing everywhere and before he uh, rides off in the motorcycle you know he you know I don't think he had a cigarette so I didn't see him light one but he has one you know kind of you know, a bit of a trope, really, but but he he throws a cigarette down, takes a moment for it to catch on fire, and then the entire gas station blows up. So as he rides away, Robocop comes off and shoots the motorcycle and was able to uh, to stop him. And that's the uh, the last we see of a meal for for a little bit. And then the very next scene, Robocop goes back to you know 
I, I don't know if it's the same precinct, but it's 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 somewhere, you know, obviously where they keep like electronic data. Uh, there's a bunch of computers. There's aisles and aisles of computers. And he walks in there, and it's a restricted area. So this nerdy cop is trying to stop him, and obviously, you know, doesn't do a very good job because he goes up to a screen, and this cop is trying to uh, basically get information, just like. Uh, and this officer is basically trying to stop him, right? Then Robocop turns around, and the spike comes out of his fist, you know? And so it's very intimidating, and so that officer kind of steps down. Robocop turns back to the screen and plugs in the spike into the computer. And then you see him accessing all the files. You know, one of the cops was like, oh, he's in, you know? So he uploads the image of Emil was able to search him, you know, by uh, face recognition. And then he was able to pull up files, and then he started looking for known accomplices. Uh, he found Clarence Boddicker and started scrolling down through all the crimes he had committed, right? So he just starts scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Obviously, Clarence Boddicker has committed a lot of crimes. And then he gets down to murder, and then he was able to find Murphy. So he accessed that file, and then he sees the image of Murphy, right? So you get that little... Um, moment right there, and then they even replay the line uh, Lewis said earlier, Murphy, it's you. You know, I think it repeats twice. Uh, did you have any thoughts on this? I thought it was a nice little uh, scene where he just remembers what happened to him and everything else. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and then after this, he goes back to you know, what the address said uh, in his file, right? So he goes back to his uh, last known address. He pulls up, and it's an empty, vacant house. Um, something I observe, you know, it's super little, but this house is vacant. It's obviously for sale. The for sale sign is not even, like, a, you know, a real realty uh, sign, right? It's, it's like a sign that you put on something at a garage sale. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um not a nitpick, it was just an observation, but he goes inside, and the house is completely empty. However, it's not completely clean, so I don't know if there were, like, squatters there, but um, there were still some things left behind. Uh, he starts walking by the living room, and then he gets this vision of his son's uh, still there. So he kind of backs up, and he sees his son, like, watching TV, um, you know, and then he starts going through the kitchen, and then he finds, like... Uh, like a, a little photo album and he found, you know, the picture of uh, him, his wife and his son from Halloween and the picture was kind of burnt. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure why she, maybe that's why she left the pictures there because they were burnt. But so I don't understand why there might've been a fire there, but just little nitpicks. It's, it's really nothing, but uh, he's walking through the house and he starts getting all these other visions, right? So he's got, um, this vision of his wife talking to him and it's, you know, it's, it's really sad. And so towards the end, he's, I don't know if it's coming back to him, but he starts to get upset, right? Because in the house they have a, you know, TV monitor set up with a, a guy basically talking you through the house, you know, just kind of talking about the different rooms and the setup and, you know, things of that nature. And then as, you know, Robocop's about to leave and he just punches one of the monitors and then he just cuts right into this club, right? It's playing this, you know, dance, electronic, industrial type music. And so he's there looking for another, you know, one of Boddicker's croonies. So he's walking through, you know, searching all these people and then he finds Leon, 
right? So Leon turns around, and I don't even know why, but tries to kick him between the legs, and bonk, you know, he hurts his foot, right? And, you know, it shows, like, everyone's laughing around him, and then, so he's on the ground holding his foot, and then Robocop just pulls him by the hair and, you know, basically drags him out of the club. Uh, do you have any thoughts there? I thought it was kind of funny in that uh, he probably tried to kick him in the groin mostly because uh, most men are, or creatures, or maybe a cyborg as he is, can still be hurt even in those type of places. You know, you see other movies like that. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the first time Leon's seen him, so, I mean, to him, it could have been just a man wearing some kind of armor, right? So he doesn't even know if it's completely robotic. Um, And I don't really think Leon is comedic relief in here, but, like, most of his scenes I kind of find funny. So this is one here, um, just just the whole kicking him, you know, in between the legs and and the hair pulling thing. So it's it's kind of funny. But then another scene, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Um, but then we go back to, well, not go back to, but we go, we, we get to see Bob Morton's house, right? So we, we see Bob Morton, he's getting it on with uh, two models. There's no nudity, but you get some cleavage, but there's some heavy drug usage here, right? So they're kind of, you know, they're snorting some nose candy. Um, and this is probably, well, this is one of the drug scenes. Uh, there's another one coming up shortly here, but, uh, the... The, the scene with the women, it it's kind of sexual. Um, it's PG-13 standards. You know, I, I don't think it was that bad, really. I think what makes it bad, really, is is the drug usage in there. I mean, he, he's kissing up on the girls. I, I've seen worse in PG-13 is, is what I'm getting at. Uh, but then the doorbell rings, and he I think he said that he ordered champagne or something. So he goes to answer the door. Boom, you got Clarence Boddicker. So Boddicker comes in. He tells the women to leave in, in a pretty cool way. You know, he says, bees, leave. You know, he didn't say bees, but the, the bee word. So he tells them to leave. And uh, so he, he comes in, you know, shoots, uh, shoots Bob, Bob Morton in the in the legs, you know, puts him over the kneecaps. Well, was it the kneecap? It was just... the leg and kneecap, I think. One in the leg and then another in the kneecap. Well, it maybe? was definitely above the knees for sure. Uh, it, it, one could have been kneecap, one above it. But mm-hmm. anyway, he, he put, puts him down to his knees. And Bob's got three TVs. They're probably like 27-inch TVs. Um, you got like what? What, what is this? Size 32 Right, so yeah, so his, his TVs are slightly smaller, but what'd you think of the three TV look there? I thought it was, you know, not really a big surprise because you know it's more of a it's a future. You know, people have these a lot of TVs, right? Mostly. So so in the eighties, I'd imagine that it was a uh, you know kind of a notion that uh, the more the merrier. You know, the it, you got the more TVs you got, the richer you are. Right, and um, I like to reference Back to the Future, where Marty goes back to 1955, and he says that he has two TVs, and his, uh, you know, future uncle's like, whoa, wow, you guys must be rich, right? So Bob Moore's got three TVs, right? So at that time, they were like, oh, yeah, Bob Moore, he's, he's a man, he's, he's got three TVs, he's got a lot of money. But, um, you know, nowadays, it's really not how many TVs you got, it's really, you know, how big it is. Isn't it uh, the year 2028? I don't know the exact year. Uh, I don't know if it was ever said or anything like that, but I know you could find it, you know, IMDb or whatever. It, it probably lists the the, um, the the year. It's 
what I like about it is that it's so far distant um, from when this movie actually came out, and they didn't try to make it so futuristic. So I really appreciated that, you know. Um, and just to kind of go back to uh, Back to the Future, you know, Part Two, what that was eighty five, and they were saying yes. by twenty fifteen you were going to have all these flying things. But I don't think they were trying to be so realistic, really. Uh, you know, I think they were just trying to be like outlandish, and it worked for that movie. But obviously, for us, you know, 2015 is approaching, and everyone's kind of still waiting for hoverboards and flying cars. Um, but anyway, so back back to uh, Bob Morton here. So he's on his knees, and he's bas- basically uh, pleading for his life. And Boddicker puts a uh, CD into the uh, C- you know CD player. Or I'm sure they didn't have DVDs at the time. So it was just a CD, but it plays this video of Dick Jones basically saying, Hey buddy boy, you know, you're probably on your knees right now. Um, this is what you get. Right. So, so basically he is telling Bob Morton that, uh, you know, I'm going to have you killed. Um, uh, basically Bob Morton's his competition, right. Uh, at this point. And so, Clarence Boddicker, he pulls out this pretty cool grenade, really, you know, pops the pin, and, and then he lays it on the table, leaves. And Bob Moore, you know, being shot where he is, he wasn't able to get up and, you know, walk over. So he's struggling, trying to reach for the grenade, and doesn't get it in time. I don't even know if he was able to grab it, if he can even stop it. I know it's a, uh, it's an electronic grenade. But I know with a real grenade, I mean, once you pull that pin, it's going to go off. So I don't know why he was trying. Well, you know, okay, if he got it, what would you do if, if you were able to get the grenade? I would try to throw it as you far as You would try to I throw can. it. So there you go. So Bob was probably going to try to throw it somewhere. But, um, yeah, wasn't able to get a hold of it, and his house explodes with him inside. So no more Bob Morton. Even though he was trying to get the grenade and threw it successfully, it couldn't have gone very far, and even if it did, it's a pretty big explosion because, you know, it blows up the house. And, you know, I would argue that that's, that's better than it blowing up in your face. Yeah, yeah. So it goes outside the house. You know, you know, parts may fall on him, but he might have a better chance of, uh, of living. So yeah. uh, after this, uh, we get a, a drug warehouse where they're, you know, kind of uh, packaging uh, what appears to be cocaine. Um, it's the only other thing I know with white powder or it could be anthrax, I guess. It doesn't have to be drugs. It could be, you know. But uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with cocaine on this one. Uh, So we got uh, Clarence Boddicker. You know, he's in there uh, with Steve and Joe, right? So Steve and Joe are both there with him. They're talking to Sal. Uh, They're trying to get a deal. And Sal is obviously uh, not having it. And, um, you know, there's a little discussion there. And then we get probably the first action scene with Robocop, right? Where he's actually, he comes in. And he, you know, his uh, his grid turns on and, you know, he's got all these targets locked in. So he knows where all these guys are standing. Uh, so he walks in and he just starts shooting, uh, shoot, you know, above him to the side. He does shots without even looking. Um, and then basically kills everybody, right? Joe apparently escapes because he comes up later, but we don't see Joe. So he might have made it out, I'm sure. But in the scene... He is basically there to to arrest Boddicker. So he gets Boddicker, starts, you know, beating this guy up. He's throwing him through all these windows, right? Just just breaking his face, really. And Boddicker's just like, you know, you're a cop. You know, I work for Dick Jones. 
Dick Jones owns OCP, OCP owns the cops. So basically, he's admitting to everything there and is saying, you know, you can't touch me, right, because you're a cop. At this point, Robocop is about to, you know, crush his throat, right, just with, like, the one hand. But he lets go because he realizes, yes, he is a cop. Um, and then, so right after this, it goes back to Robocop goes over to uh, to OCP, um, you know, trying to arrest Dick Jones. Um, so he goes up to the office. He walks in, and Dick Jones has been waiting for him, right? He's got this little GPS thing there that uh, keeps track of Robocop. So he's waiting. He's sitting there waiting. Robocop walks in, basically says that he's there to arrest him for aiding, aiding and abetting a, a criminal. And so... Dick Jones, he's you know he's obviously not trying to uh, resist arrest, so he's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, here you go. So, so Robocop tries to arrest him and then starts, you know, not malfunctioning, but he starts to shut down. And then this is where we learn that there's a, a fourth prime directive. Dick Jones says that it was a little uh, little security that he implemented, a little insurance, right? So Prime Directive Four states that he cannot arrest any senior uh, OCP. Uh, officers. So because he is attempting to do so, he starts shutting down and he's trying to fight the program. And so he does start to, you know, not quite function properly. And then at this point, Dick Jones um, brings out Ed 209, who just starts shooting the heck out of Robocop. So obviously these type of rounds are able to, you know, put a lot of damage to, to his armor, right? So you got, you got all these, uh, bullet round is really damaging it. You know, I almost said piercing. It's not piercing his uh, armor, but it's damaging it. And he's the basically the way he escapes is he tr he goes downstairs. You know, he takes the stairs to go down, and then uh, at two hundred nine, being as big as he is, and he doesn't his legs don't quite move the way he doesn't have the joints to you know take those steps, and the steps are so little uh, that he's unable to go down, but he tries to go down, then like slips all the way down the stairs. So Robocop was able to get away from him. But once he gets outside, this is where we see the, the SWAT team from earlier during that hostage scene. And we, we even have the same guy that was you know in charge. So they are there basically to, to stop Robocop. Uh, did you have any thoughts on this? or? No, not really. Okay, so um, they were obviously waiting for him. So Dick Jones probably, you know, uh, called them and, and had them wait for him down there. But uh, they opened fire, right? And and everything uh, everything's just being shot up, uh, basically. So he, he you know, he, he's, he was able to get away. And while uh, escaping, he almost gets hit by a car. But, you know, the car stops, obviously, on, uh, on a dime. And out comes Officer Lewis, who... I forgot was even in the movie. We hadn't seen her so long, but uh, she was able to save him. So that's kind of nice because she couldn't do so earlier. Uh, but they so so she leaves there, and then I think it's the next day because it it, it appears to be daytime, right? And so the, the you know the previous scene it, it looked like it was at night. So I think it's the, the next day, and you just see you know, how this building and office, you know, where Dick, uh, OCP is basically, it's been damaged and shot up, you know, there, there's uh, all types of people working on the walls and the floors and the ceiling, just everything. So Clarence walks in and he goes up to the, uh, to the secretary and, you know, he's trying to hit on her. He puts his gum on her, you know, nameplate and 
uh, I, I don't know if he just thinks that's charming or what, but, you know, he's trying to, like, you know, get on her good side and, you know, try to uh, spit a little game, and she's, like, he's waiting for you, you know? <laughs> so, so, so Dick Jones was already expecting him, right? So, and before he walks in the office, you know, I, I, I like the line. He says, you can keep the gum, <laughs> you know, I thought it was pretty funny, but, uh, he goes in, you know, sees Dick Jones and, uh, Dick is pretty upset. You know, he says that, uh, basically, he says, basically he says that Clarence involved him, right? That Robocop recorded everything he said. Okay. And in court, anything he, uh, you know, his memory, the recordings, those all can be used, um, in trials and such. So Dick says, Hey, you got to get rid of it. You got to kill this thing. And there, there's a little, little dispute here. And Clarence is like, well, you guys built it. You know, that that's, this is your problem. And, you know, look at my face. And, and Dick's like, well, you know, you, you got to kill it. Uh, you got to kill it. And he gives him the GPS. And well, I don't know if he handed him the GPS yet, but but Clarence doesn't want to, right? So he even attempts to leave. But Dick Jones, you know, reminds him, hey, Delta City is about to be built. It's going to be a brand new city. And there's going to be, you know, this and that. And it could sure use, you know, he's basically trying to entice him to, you know, that, that uh, Delta City could be his, you know, if he would do this. So so they're doing a little bargaining here. So I, th I think this is where, um, you know, he gives him the GPS and, and uh, you know, Clarence, you know, requests couple new toys, you know, some guns, some, some weaponry, really. Uh, and then it cuts to, and then now we go back to the, uh, the abandoned warehouse. Okay. This is where Lois, uh, had brought Robocop and she had just come back from making some sort of run, right? So she, she brings him a drill that he requested, brought him some baby food, his gun, you know, a couple items, uh, other items. So we get this scene pretty iconic, right? So, so Robocop takes the drill, he removes the screws on both sides, uh, both sides of his, his helmet, um, his headpiece, uh, basically where the ears are. And he removes his, his, uh, you know, the, the main part of the, the, I don't know, helmet or the, you know, you know, the headpiece revealing his, his face, right? So we hadn't seen him since, since he died really. So what do you think of this look? I thought it was a little weird because you know, Bob Morton didn't want any piece of him, but they kept the face because when you when you look at a side view, it looks like the, it's a robot wearing his face. And yeah, it's it's pretty it's stretched over pretty good. The makeup they uh, they they did here is is pretty pretty excellent, really. Um, uh, practical effects, you know, no CGI was used or anything like that. But um, the the part where they extend from his you know real face. And, and added prosthetics. It, it was very. You can even see where where they they tried to blend it in. They did a really really good job with the look. Um, I thought it was really cool. And then so he looks at his face with this mirror. So he gets you know to see himself for the first time, um, probably since he was actually a human. And then he asks about his wife and son, and basically uh, Lois tells him that after the funeral they had moved, you know, because they, they thought he was dead, uh, which in essence he is. Uh, and then we get the next scene. Uh, it's nighttime, probably the same day. 
uh, Emil is watching TV and he's out, uh, he's sitting outside some kind of store. The TV's on the inside and he's sitting, uh, in his van. And then we get that, uh, that, that little TV show again with the old man saying, uh, I'd buy that for a dollar. So everyone else starts showing up, right? You got Clarence shows up, Leon and, um, Joe and Joe and, oh yeah, Clarence mentioned that, you know, that that uh, Emil had just gotten out of jail. You know, he was even still wearing like the shirt. You know, so so that's where he's been. So so he's out of jail, and and Clarence, uh, you know, brings out this gun, and uh, it's pretty massive. You know, pretty big gun, and obviously it's heavy because they're having a hard time holding it. So uh, he shoots uh, he shoots Joe's car, which is identical uh, to his. The six thousand sucks. I mean uh, SUX. <laughs> So he shoots that, it explodes, and, um, you know, uh, Joe takes the gun. Well, he, him and Emil fight over the gun, but there's enough to go by. You know, um, uh, Clarence uh, has gotten one for all of them. Uh, he looks at the GPS and sees that there's movement, uh, I guess. I mean, Robocop's been in the same spot this whole time. But they, they kind of round up, and then they, they start to head out to go uh, over to, to where Robocop... Um, they start to round up, and then they head over to the old abandoned warehouse. At this point, uh, you know, Lewis has taken a nap, and uh, Robocop, his, I guess his uh, aiming is off, right? So he's trying to shoot the, the little bottles of baby food that that uh, Lewis brought, and he's off. So, so she comes over to assist him a little bit and kind of helps him reconfigure uh, his aim. And then shortly after that, he, you know, they hear, you know, cars driving and, and then, you know, we see Clarence and his, uh, his, his men, they show up. And so at first, you know, Joe gets out, starts boasting. and was like, oh, you know, we're, we're out to get you. And you're trying to come out and stuff. And, and Clarence is basically like, look, you know, hey, nothing fancy. We're just going to get in and just kill him. Right. So, so they proceed they, they kind of just start driving down, looking, looking for him and stuff. Robocop's over on the second floor and tries to distract him and, you know, grabs his mirror and kind of throws it in an opposite direction. Well, they all turn and just start shooting, and there's nothing there. At this point, I don't know why he didn't use this opportunity to even, you know, just to take them all out since they're facing the other way. You know, it would have been an opportune moment, but but he doesn't, you know, extend the movie. Um, and then he says, looking for me, and, you know, they all turn around, they see him, they start, to, they, they try to shoot him, and I don't know how they missed for as slow as, you know, he, uh, how slow he moved, you know, uh, to, to get away, but, uh, they, they kind of split up, and they, they start going, um, uh, Joe was the first one to get shot, right, so he's dead, so Robocop starts walking off, and, uh, I think Clarence got into a car, and Emil got into the van, Right, so sounds like Leon's on foot. So Emil starts driving off, and he's looking. You know, he's driving, and then Robocop's out, uh, out on the road, and you know he he doesn't run, but apparently he moves out of the way fast enough for Emil to not even swerve, but run into a vat of toxic waste. Um, but he so he goes in. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he shoots the van. Um, so. I guess I, don't know, I guess if I get shot, I would still swear. But anyway, <laughs> he drives into a vat of toxic waste. Out comes all this liquid. You know, a meal rises from, uh, from you know, um, you know, from the water, and and his skin is just melted. You know, uh, r- right off the bones. Uh, really, it's pretty sick effect. What would you think of this? Uh, I thought it looked kind of. I thought it looked kind of weird. Uh, I don't really know how most. 
things are supposed to look like that. But he looked like a creature feature. Yeah, yeah. It uh, the way he looked, um, I thought he looked really, really good. You you know, you, you don't know what they did. Really, his fingers are all melted off his bones, and it's just kind of like um, his skin is like basically dripping. You you know, uh, it's pretty sick. Um, so after we see Emil, he starts walking, and uh, I guess he bumps into Leon. So this is the other funny scene. Uh, <sighs> This is the other scene that I find funny with uh, with Leon. So, so Emil, you know, gets a hold of him, and Leon's just like, oh, you know, his eyes just widen up, and he's he's scared, you know. And uh, Emil's like, help me! He's like, get off me, man! So it's like the way he says it and the look on his face is hilarious. Um, but he, he doesn't even do anything; he just runs off. And then Emil starts walking uh, in the middle of the road, and then we see. Clarence and Lewis, they're they're in separate cars and they're they're just you know uh, not chasing because they're side by side, so they're just driving and you know they're they're hitting each other and stuff like that. And then Emil's like in the middle of the road and Clarence hits him, and then like just dirty bodily liquid and blood just splatter all over the windshield. That's pretty gross looking too. And so they start kind of bumping each other, and Lewis was able to hit him in a direction where he goes off this you know this this little cliff that that that. Um, his car flies into this big hole in the ground where uh, there's, you know, probably water that comes up to your calves. Um, Might have been raining, I don't know. But uh, so, so Clarence uh, kind of crashes in there upside down. He gets out, and you know, he obviously looks hurt. And Lewis gets out of the car, and he uh, Clarence shoots her, so she falls down into the water. And then at this point, Robocop comes, you know, gets Clarence's attention. And so, so now you, you, we're about to get this little one-on-one. But uh, as they're kind of talking to each other, we see Leon walking over to uh, to this crane, right? So Clarence sees him and tries to kind of like position Robocop in a certain way where where Leon can uh, maneuver the crane and drop, uh, you know, these pieces of metal on him. So uh, so he so Clarence gets him in the right place, and then Leon just. You know, just drops all the stuff right on top of Robocop, just boom, right in, into the ground, and then um, so so they're, they're kind of cheering, right, and then and then all of a sudden there's this gunshot, then boom, Leon, you know, just blows up, you know, the crane blows up, and then Clarence looks over and it's Lewis. She got a hold of one of their guns, and so Clarence uh, runs over to to Robocop, right, where he's under all these pieces of metal, pulls out this this big pole and just starts whacking him with it right and turns it around where the sharp part is and just just drives it through him you know trying to kill him but you know he's robotic so i mean there's no heart there robocop he lifts his fist up and then we get that spike again right from earlier then he just stabs him right in the throat and uh kills Bodica right there you know kind of gruesome but uh, quick and brief and then Lewis, you know, she's she's over there on the ground, and she's saying that she's a mess. And Robocop says that uh, you know they'll they'll fix you, they fix everything. So we go back to OCP, and you know, there's a little meeting that Robocop walks into. You know, Dick Jones is there, the president's there, Johnson's still there. He comes in, and the president's basically saying, you know, what can I help you with? And he goes, uh, Robocop goes over to. The computer monitors pulls a spike out, and he uploads this uh, this recording that he had. 
and the recording is from, you know, I don't know, the previous night or, you know, when he was trying to arrest Dick Jones and he was able to record Jones admitting, uh, you know, I had to kill Bob Bourne because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. So that plays in loops and then you get this funny look on jo- uh, Johnson like he's actually going to do something. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? I, I had a little question. Uh, do you know how RoboCop got that loop video? Or a video? Well, he recorded it when Ed 209 came and started, you know, uh, started shooting him up. It, it happens in that scene. We don't see him turn on the recording mode, mm. but we're not supposed to just to kind of like, like, because w- when it happens, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, of course, he must have recorded it. Because you saw him do it with Emil earlier, and mm-hmm. then you saw him do it with Clarence Boddicker. So you know he can do it, but showing us the third time that would you know kind of ruin it this time around, right? Yeah. So if, if if they you know if they showed him when he was with Dick Jones that he was recording, then we'll be like, oh yeah, he's going to use that later. So when he does this, it's kind of a, a better reveal, if that makes sense. Oh, so you're talking about when he first confronts Dick Jones yeah. at the oh, okay? Yeah, okay. Dick Jones actually he he says that he oh, okay. he, he says that the exact same way too. Um, so, so that was recorded and, you know, he just happens to loop this, you know, this particular part where he admits to uh, killing Bob Morton or has him killed. So, and with Prime Directive 4 in effect, uh, you know, Dick Jones gets up and holds the president, uh, up, uh, you know, at gunpoint and, you know, he, he wants like a helicopter and all this. And then the president's like, Dick, you're fired. And then. This allows RoboCop to, well, he, he says thank you, and then this actually allows him to finally, you know, do something to uh, an OCP senior officer. So he shoots Dick Jones, and Dick Jones falls out the window. What you think of that scene? Um, I thought it was pretty cool that uh, the old man knew that of Prime Directive number four. Well, I don't think he knew, but I think... In the position he was, I mean, he could have gotten shot right then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, he may have known. It, it's not clear to me. Uh, I might have missed something, but, you know, it's kind of the right thing to say, really. Uh, uh, convenient, too, actually. But, uh, yeah, he said, you know, he fires him, and then that, that just allows uh, allows him to, to, to kill Dick Jones and, and shoot him. But uh, the scene itself, I think this is probably the only time, uh, to me, really, that I felt the effects were really bad. Um, so you see the president kind of fixing his tie, and he's like, nice shooting, you know, what's your, what's your name? And, uh, you know, RoboCop says Murphy, and the movie ends. So... This was your first time watching it. Yes. I've watched it a lot. I grew up watching this movie. Um, it is easily in my top... You know, I've never really sat down and wrote it out, but, you know, I, just to throw a number out, I'd say it's in my top 20, um, 20 movies. It's really good. I really, really like the theme. It's a very iconic theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, they even use it in the remake. Uh, what did you think of the actors? I mean, any of them stand out? Any of them you didn't like, or... I think the actors portrayed their characters very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially uh, Joe, you know, with his hyena laugh. Yeah, Joe is a very distinctive character. Uh, and and speaking on that, really, all the bad guys, they had a thing about him. Uh, Emil, I, I think maybe it's just his look, right? So it's not quite his delivery. There was really no lines that he said. And he's not really menacing, but I think it was his look uh, okay. that kind of makes him stand out. 
Uh, and then Leon, uh, again, Leon scenes, they, they weren't co- comedic relief, but, uh, I, I found him like his scenes mm-hmm. funny. Clarence Boddicker, I think he is badass. I mean, I've, I've never watched that seventies show. And I think one of the reasons I didn't want to was because I couldn't get the image of Clarence Boddicker out of this guy who's playing a dad on a sitcom. <laughs> okay. So I couldn't. I couldn't shake that image, so so I didn't really care to watch it. I'm, you know, I hear it's a good show, and uh, anyway, but uh, see, Ann Lewis, you know, it really could have been anybody. You know, she didn't really do anything. Yeah. Uh, and Peter Weller, you know, who plays RoboCop, it he's really the only thing I'm familiar with. Uh, most recently, he came out in uh, Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. I don't think you saw that yet. Not yet. Yeah, no. but uh, he's in there. Um, but I I don't really... Re- I don't think he was in any anything else that I was, you know, a fan of, really. Uh, but uh, the guy who played uh, Bob Morton, Miguel Ferreira, did you recognize him at all? No, not really. Okay. Um, you... Sh- well, you've only seen it once, but he was in Iron Man 3. Oh. Okay, so I won't get into that because there's some spoilers there, but uh, he was in Iron Man 3. He had a he had a role there. Um, but again, a, another guy, you know, I obviously I know him from this. He was also he had he had a a part in Twin Peaks, which I uh brought up earlier. And uh, he was some in some other movies, but uh, uh again, a, a guy that I I go to, you know, RoboCop is the movie I think of when I think of Miguel Ferreira. Um, so overall, what, what do you think about this movie? It's definitely in one of my top tens or fifteens as one of the older movies that you grew up watching with. Okay. So out of five, I'd give this movie a pretty good four. Okay. That's pretty good. Um, so, so obviously to it sounds like it kind of holds up to you, even though it came out in 87. Yes. Um, to me... I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a darn near perfect movie. It is one of my favorites, but it, it, it's a movie I can watch, um, over and over, but it's not a movie I will watch over and over. Uh, so I'm going to give it a four and a half. It's a pretty good, solid movie. Uh, you know, I definitely recommend it to anybody. Again, we mentioned earlier that it is rated R, uh, mainly for the gratuitous violence. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say gratuitous, just very graphic violence is, um, you know, really a number of scenes. It's not, it's not really throughout, but, uh, in a, you know, you know, a, a scene of nudity, uh, I think there was like some some guys taking a shower in the locker room too, but um, a little nitpick for anybody who is having a hard time thinking about the three primary directives that RoboCop was given. Um, one is serve the public trust two, protect the innocent and three uphold the law. So right there are, you know, his three prime directives that he was given. Yeah. 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 I, did, I didn't even list those earlier. I probably should have um, but yeah, that's it. And let's get into some, uh, some listener feedback. Okay. Well, we don't have any because <laughs> this is our, uh, this is actually our first, well, this is our, technically our second recording, but our first, uh, recording that's actually saving the, the, the first one didn't save and it was actually a different movie, which, you know, we'll do another time. But, uh, if you do want to email in, you can do so at hlfpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at hlfpodcast and visit our Facebook page. Like that page uh, at Hydrate Level 4. 
just type that into the search and you'll be able to find us and uh, if you like the show you know give us a review well it's optional I, I prefer like a star rating on iTunes if you can um, and yeah we just want to continue this and give you a perspective from uh, Phoenix's point of view you know who at this time is 13 years of age uh, the movies that I am gonna review with him obviously I have seen and I'm gonna pick movies where I can you know make the judgment like okay this movie I will allow my son to watch uh, there will obviously be some movies that I probably won't review whether it's just too uh, you know too much nudity um, you know to you know depending on the violence I guess we'll we'll just you know it, it again it depends on the movie but I, I know his generation here has been a little bit more desensitized to violence, you know, in in TV shows and video games. So, you know, I'll make the judgment. I'm not just going to allow him to watch anything, but, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll kind of go from there. But uh, until the next episode, again, I am Peter. And I'm Phoenix. And we are Hydrate Level 4.